0: Welcome to the Vortex Edge Podcast, brought to you by firearms instructors who love training, guns, gear, and most importantly, helping shooters of all levels improve their skills and confidence with firearms. Hey, everybody. All right, we got Pete here, and we're going to talk about zeroing. Again, we've had a couple of these episodes. We talked about how to zero a pistol the right way, a long-range rifle, and of course, to round it out, we got to talk about the good old carbine. So that's what Pete's here for, and specifically... As usual, when we're talking about carbines, we're just going to refer to the old classic AR-15. And, uh, well, Pete, what do you have to say about, I mean, zeroing an AR the right way? Like, is this something that's incredibly complicated? Is it something that people get wrong a lot? What do you see? It can be complicated, okay? Hmm, okay. But
1: uh, like most things in life, we want to try to keep them as simple as possible. It can be complicated if you're if you don't really know what your objectives are, what you're trying to do. Um, and we can we can definitely go into the weeds on things, but just to put it simply, um, you know, sighting in a carbine was funny. I used to call it zeroing a lot. That was kind of the military term, zeroing. And I know you used to make fun of us because for that because it never made any difference. And and the reason sometimes it's referred to as zeroing is, goes goes back to the days of iron sights, way back way back in the olden days with oh, iron sure. sights. Um, you know, everybody had iron sights on their fixed carrying handle M sixteen A twos. And before you would sight a rifle in, you would actually zero it out. You would run the windage all the way back, and then you'd count the number of clicks, and then double that in half, so you would actually put it at a zero. Same thing with the front sight. So you'd zero that out, and the idea is you would zero off of that, so you were supposed to know, okay, my rifle zeroed to me, and it was like this many clicks right off the battle site zero. It was this many clicks right and this is the elevation up. So if you ever had to have a replacement rifle, pick up another rifle. The idea was you could just dial that in and that would get you really close. Okay. That's
0: interesting. Okay.
1: Yeah, and 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 you would zero out. That was step one, and that just kind of morphed into zeroing the rifle. Okay, I just I didn't realize until I got out. Everybody else just calls it sighting in the rifle.
0: So that that is pretty common. I do hear people say zeroing too at yeah. times, but sighting in it definitely seems to be. Yeah, zeroing sighting in is the same thing. <laughs> um, right. Probably the
1: first thing, and when we work with students, this has kind of bit me in the past. The so first thing you need to do. Is you got to make sure you're you're either where you're going with an LPVO or a red dot that it's mounted properly. Yes, and you need to check that. I have spent many hours working with somebody who we think maybe their fundamentals are flawed, and we turned out and you know we grabbed their their red dot and it's sliding back and forth on the rail. Okay, so that's the first thing. You got to make sure your equipment's properly mounted. Uh, before you go to the range, just grab it. Okay, is it is it properly attached to the rail? If you have an LPVO, please invest in a torque wrench. You know, refer to your manufacturer's specs. Make sure it's pro- mo- uh, properly mounted. Because it doesn't really matter how good a shooter you are, um, if it's not, if if the sight's not, you know, working the way you want it to, or it's not properly
0: attached to the rifle, everything you do is kind of a waste of time. Oh yeah. Okay. I mean- you're left frustrated. You don't know what you're doing. It, it, anytime the mechanicals, the foundational things are not right, it is the most frustrating thing ever. Yes. So so
1: step one, just make sure it's properly mounted. I see that a lot, you know, and we'll spend all this time and somebody just reaches over and like, hey, it's, his his optic's loose, okay? So we got to make sure that the optic's properly mounted to the rifle. Okay, okay? got it. Um, step two... Um, We have to have the fundamental, okay, when we're sighting in the rifle, all we're doing is calibrating that optic so it hits a specific point at a specific distance, okay? In order to really achieve that, we have to have the ability to just group first, okay? Group rounds. We have to put them right on top of each other, and the smaller a group we can make, the more accurate our zero is, okay? Um, Let's say you're zeroing at 50 yards and you're holding like a five, six inch group at 50 yards, um, that's not going to give you the very best data. Okay. Um, ideally, we want to try to shoot as small groups as we can. In fact, with students, I try to focus on that, just focus on the process of shooting, aim in the same spot,
0: and just make sure the rounds impact um, consistently in one spot. Yeah. Even if they're not c- impacting where your reticle is aiming at first, as long as you're making a nice little group elsewhere on the paper, that means, okay, well, now all I got to do is just turn the knobs a little bit and we're just going to move that group right over to where I do want it to. Right. If you can't consistently do that, it doesn't
1: matter, who, you know, the windage or elevation. Okay. Yeah. And it ends up to be a frustrating experience for the, for the person because um, they're just end up chasing their tail. Okay. So we, we have to be consistent. Um, my rule of thumb, um, you know, way back in the day, we'd shoot three round groups. Um, honestly, a five round group might give you a little more data. You know, there's a little more data points in there. Um, where I start out with, uh, if if I have this rifle, brand new optic, throw it on, I'll start with a three round group. Okay. I don't need five rounds to tell me that I'm a foot and a half left of center. (laughs) Okay. Uh, ammo is expensive, you know, um, but I would start out with a three round group get a really nice shot group, and then maybe I'd shoot another group, okay? And if the rounds are touching, then I make my adjustments off there. Um, I think it's really important to shoot a second group, get up from the rifle, get back down, mount everything correctly, and shoot a second group to make sure you have that consistency, mm-hmm. okay? If you haven't changed anything on your sight and suddenly your group's high, we're dealing with something other than a sighting issue, okay? And that I think it's really important to fix those fundamental shooting errors, okay? Or once again, you're just going to end up chasing your tail. Right. Um, as far as you know, do I do it in the prone
0: position? Do I do I was it just seated? About to ask. We do a lot of prone shooting for zeroing here in classes, but that's. I mean, is that the only way to do it, or
1: it's it's not. It's it's really the shooter's preference. I like it because I feel for me it's the most comfortable and I think it's the most stable. Okay, mm. um, I, I get a lot of contact with the ground. It's it's the most stable. Um, I know not everybody has the physical ability to do that. I, I, we work with a lot of people that have, like, neck injuries. We had somebody in a class yesterday that had a pretty severe neck injury and really struggled laying on the prone so you can shoot off of a bench i would just i would try to get the position as stable as possible yeah to do that okay yeah. um i kind of like using sit in the magazine on on either the tabletop or even the ground oh pete you'll induce a
0: malfunction
1: Ah, uh, no that that doesn't really happen like that okay <laughs> uh, that's kind of an old wife's tale all right uh you can rest the magazine on the ground it's not going to cause any problems um, with the ar-15 um You know, you can also bag the gun if you want to, get it really stable.
0: The point is we want a really stable position that we can shoot from. Right. So talking about distance, you brought up 50 yards, for example. That's a really common distance to sight an AR in at. But there's a lot of schools of thought around what the distance can be. And I'm not necessarily certain that one of them is the definitive right one, but I've seen – Fifty, heck! Sometimes I've seen a hundred. In fact, a lot of times you get people who are crossing over in ARs from the hunting world, and they want to do a hundred yard zero. You see thirty six, which always seemed random to me at first. Twenty five, and maybe even shorter than that at times too. Yes.
1: Wait. Um, here's the thing. I think. There are some that are better than others, okay? I'm not going to sit here and argue that, like, a 50 is better than 100, okay? Um, I, I think it's more important that you know what your bullet's doing at certain ranges. It's yeah. more important to zero your gun at a certain range and then know what it's doing, okay? And, and you can find some pretty cool ballistic software online that'll get you pretty close, but it's all theory until you actually go out and shoot with your ammo and your gun, mm-hmm. okay? Um, I would rather you have... And maybe a potentially inferior zero, but you know exactly what your bullet's doing. Then have the best zero in the world and have no idea what it does past your zero distance. I
0: see what you're saying. I, I, I kind of think that's more important. And you're kind of referring to like this something that you see a lot of people say is they'll say, "Oh, my, I've got a 5200 yard right. zero. right? And they'll say maybe you'll see it written online. It'll be fifty slash two hundred. And first off, you may be scratching your head. You're like, "How do you? How are you zeroed at two different distances?" Um, which maybe we can actually address that first because this is related to optic over bore height and the fact that we are meeting the optic with where the barrel is pointed at some point downrange. It requires the barrel to come up a little bit and the optic to kind of aim down a little bit They kind of meet up. And so uh, it's not that bullets come out of the barrel and then go up for a little bit and then come back down. It's just that we're actually sort of pointed slightly upward. They're being launched on a trajectory. Right, exactly. So you end. what you end up with is you get this uh, converging point of the optic and the rifle's barrel where it's pointed and where the round is going to go. They meet up at some distance, let's say 50 in this case. And then because the or the round is still on its way up slightly and just about to crest its its trajectory and start coming back down, it's actually going to cross the site's path once again at some distance further on. This is where people say 5,200. So they're a little high at 100, and it comes back down. And then in theory, there's, they're back on somewhere around 200. There is a magical bullet
1: with a magical barrel length with a magical optical. Where that actually works. I have oh, yeah. seen it. I have seen it. But it doesn't work with everybody's rifle. So I just, I encourage someone, you know, we actually really like a 50-yard zero here. Mm. Okay? And the, the best reason why we've we've shown this with stick software and we've proven it out to distance on paper and steel. Um, all the way from zero all the way out to about 250 yards, um, the bullet never travels more than two inches above or below your line of sight. Okay? So... What's really great about that is if you are like a police officer or you are in the military and you may need to potentially engage targets out to certain distances, okay, there's a reason why we sell a lot of range finders, okay? Range f- estimation is extremely difficult. Sure. Okay? Uh, it gets really difficult when people are shooting at you, okay? So if you don't know the exact range to someone, a 50-yard zero, if, if you aim kind of center mass, that gives you the best opportunity to round a first round shot anywhere from zero all the way out to 250 yards without even holding high or low yeah okay it's you're hedging your bets right you're hedging your bets okay um
0: that's kind of why we use it yeah okay and the The closer in you go, you begin to exacerbate that optic overbore height more. And so your trajectory that you're launching the round at in order to sort of make up for that optic overbore height becomes steeper. And that's where, let's say you have something as as I'll say uh, uh, extreme just because we're comparing it to 50 yards, a 10-yard zero with an AR, we're launching it at such an extreme angle that at 100 yards, the bullets, what did you say? What was your calculation? Uh,
1: I, I think it was about two feet. Two feet two over? Two feet high. And yeah. that that really close zero, that was kind of, popular with some SWAT teams about 10 or 15 years ago, something that didn't entirely go away. The idea was they were entry teams. Hey, we would never shoot past this distance. Mm. Um, They didn't want to actually have to account for the mechanical offset between their optic height and their bore. Okay. They didn't want to have to account for that if they had to make a little percentage shot. So they zeroed it at 10 yards. Well, As soon as they're engaging anything outside of 10 yards, it becomes almost impossible to
0: hit. It's a very, it's very touchy. It's like, if it's at exactly 10 yards, boy, oh boy, I'm dead on. But as soon as we go outside of that, it gets really, you know, it can start to get off really quickly a lot. Whereas with that 50 yard zero, you get so much more kind of leeway. Right.
1: Yeah. I'm, you know, it just makes it a lot easier, a lot simpler. You don't have to hold as much. Now there are some little quirks to it. Okay. And. We go over that in our carbine classes, like up close, if you have to make a close shot at five yards, you have to aim almost two inches high to mm-hmm. hit a really small, low percent shot. Okay. At hundred yards, you have to aim slightly low, mm-hmm. usually about two inches. And we kind of test that on paper with guys. We have actually, people actually shoot at those distances at five yards. We have them shoot, aim right for the center of a dot. We notice that the round's shoot low 100 yards we do the same thing when we're shooting bullseyes at that distance we have them aim center we look where the impact is okay so if they really want to hit that small target they have to kind of
0: know know where that that uh, bullet's going to land there right and you said it well before you know it's it's important to know exactly what your bullet is doing and and i'm not going to say that it's it's more or less important with any particular firearm i think with any firearm Uh, especially with the potential use cases that a lot of people see themselves maybe having with a firearm. It's always important to know where the bullet's going. But people look at long-range rifles, like a bolt-action rifle, precision gun, they're going to shoot at 1,000 yards. And and oftentimes, they're really, you know, I got to get this really tight group at 100 yards, really get a nice zero. Then I'm going to chronograph my rounds. I'm going to do all this stuff. I'm going to go to the ballistics calculator. And they're putting in all that work. And then when it comes to an AR, they sort of think of it like, well, I got it zeroed at 50, so I I guess I'm good. And it's, you start wondering to yourself, or at least I wonder to myself sometimes, like, I don't think you're giving the AR enough credit for what it can do. Like, this is a, this is an honest-to-goodness, I mean, I'm probably, I'm pulling this out of my butt here a little bit, but like, honest-to-goodness, 500-yard gun, you know, whatever, yeah. it, whatever it is, right? So, like why wouldn't you want to know exactly you know why wouldn't you want to chronograph an AR maybe I haven't done it a whole lot myself but I feel like I probably should you know it makes sense why wouldn't you want to run the numbers through a ballistic calc um because these are really capable really capable rifles
1: I mean this setup right here that's a 500 yard gun with a 3x magnifier i can i can and and people who are a lot better shooters than me can take this out a lot farther okay yeah. this is a 13 9 inch barrel with a uh1 and a 3x magnifier and i have taken this out to paper out to 400 yards
0: and know exactly where it hits so it is very much it's it is very possible to do yeah, that absolutely so of course getting the zero like we've talked about is a very important part of that um Pete, is there anything else that's really important? I mean, we've talked about the zero distance. You know, we've talked a little bit about the the uh, you know position that you can do it. And I, I think you've you've kind of hit on it a little bit. I don't think you can possibly we can possibly hit on it enough. I mean, it's part of the reason why we offer. I mean, a huge reason why we offer so many classes here. But the fundamentals that you apply when you're when you're shooting and zeroing so important. Like just actually taking the time to focus on it and do it right. Right.
1: I. It, it, it's almost better, I would actually rather have somebody with a rifle that can shoot really really tiny repeatable groups, and maybe the gun's not perfectly zero, but they 're able to do that instead of handing a perfectly zeroed rifle to somebody who can 't group okay mm. It almost makes more sense to have that consistency and, and and be able to do that you know from a prone position um, it's it 's super important um, You know, you have to remember sometimes there are things that change your zero, okay? If you go outside and zero the rifle in the summertime, okay, when it's super hot and then you go back out and it's 20 degrees, you know, below zero and and you're out there shooting, that's going to change your zero, Yeah. you know? Um, I like to kind of walk this fine line between, you know, every time I do a range session, I want to confirm my zero, but I'm not always in a hurry to change it all the time. Um, I think we have a tendency to maybe fiddle with these a little too much, sometimes. And, and I like to tend to look at patterns like, Hey, that, that looked a little left today. I don't know. Maybe I drank too much coffee or whatever. And I just tend to notice that I don't want to change my zero every single time I'm shooting. Uh, yeah, Cause I tend to think it's more me than the actual
0: optic or the rifle. And I tend to look for patterns. Over time, because that, gener- that makes you a very unique individual, Pete. The fact yeah. that you actually look to yourself without the equipment first. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, hey, everyone's doing it, Pete. We can all blame the equipment. We all know that's the easy. Yeah, <laughs> and and you know what? Maybe if I
1: shoot uh, once or twice, and uh, you know, hey, I'm not, yeah, I'm a little bit left. I'll I'll move that, uh, you know, windage maybe one click. Yeah. Um, that also kind of brings up another point with a 50 yard zero. If you have access to a 50 yard range and a 100 yard range, um, I like the zero. For a 50-yard zero, I like to be able to shoot about an inch and a half group. That's about the size of an X-ring on a B8 target. Um, I like to be able to hold that. Uh, Depending on the ammo you have, you might be able to even hold a smaller group than that. Uh, I like to to zero that at 50 yards. And then I like to take it back to 100, and I kind of like to look at windage, you know? Mm. Uh, Sometimes you might be a little left or a little right at 50, and it's hard to see. If you go back to 100, you can notice, oh, wow, I really am kind of right. Maybe add one or two clicks of windage there. So 50-yard zero...
0: With 100-yard windage, that that really kind of uh, that gets you set up. Playing with your distance it, it, when zeroing can help a lot. I've noticed sometimes customers will get an optic, and um, they've gotten one that was behind a store counter, and it got handed to a lot of different people who are kind of just kicking the tires. And everybody inevitably goes through and they're like, oh, how do these turrets feel? And they screw with the turrets a bunch. And then somebody who finally comes along and buys that optic, <laughs> they buy it, and it's been just completely adjusted to heck. And... They slap it on their gun, and they're assuming maybe it's probably somewhere near optical center, but it's so far off. You know, if you're not even hitting paper and you have determined the optics mounted right, there's certainly things that could be going on with the gun, with the ammo, all that stuff. You know, I had a a suppressor issue personally recently where I, I think I was getting a baffle strike, just weird characteristics. But sometimes just going closer to the target in that case will get you on paper, so you can start to make really coarse adjustments, and then moving further back, like you said, now I can start to make finer adjustments.
1: Exactly. If you're not hitting the target, move closer. A couple of considerations with that. Um, you know, if if you're if you have half MOA clicks at 50 yards, if you're moving close, and oh man, I'm about 12 inches left. You really got to crank on that windage. The closer you get, the more you have to actually dial in there. So mm-hmm. I mean, you're looking at. It's like uh, 50 yards, it's four clicks with half MOA adjustments, it's four clicks to one inch, so like at 25 yards, now that's eight clicks, you know, and if you're even closer than that, you're looking at 20 clicks just to move that one inch. Right. And then,
0: you know, I'm just getting close to center, and I would go back to 50 and actually zero it at that distance. Right. And in that case I brought up, it may not be weird to have to adjust a sight 20 clicks or something like Pete said, but sometimes you can also use that as a little bit of a an indication that oh something's kind of weird here. I have you know there's not often times where you see an optic that needs to get adjusted forty clicks to the right, and it's like well maybe you know is something going on with the rail, you know, is something going on elsewhere. There may be a misalignment. So um, one thing I know I asked uh, I asked Brennan this question in the, in the sighting in a pistol episode, Pete. But um, the ammo we use on the range you know, FMJ ball ammo isn't necessarily the ammo that I want to have in my home defense AR. Uh, it's not my first choice, perhaps. And because, you know, being responsible in all these things, I want to know exactly what my bullet's doing. It's unlikely that when I go from 55 grain ball ammo to my 69 grain boat tail hollow point, that I'm going to have the exact same zero. Do you, like if you're switching ammos in a gun, do you tend to, uh, confirm zero every single time? Or do you like, is there some sort of a uh, super secret quick way or like, anything? It really depends on what you're trying to do with like your practice ammo.
1: Okay. Um, you know, if I'm just trying to hit an a zone at like 50 yards, um, it may not make a difference. Like I, first I would group both ways. I would zero the rifle to like your, your self-defense ammo. And then I would, Try to, you know, and I know it's not always possible to get the same practice ammo, but I would try to get something that's close enough, yeah. you know, and at least understand what the difference is. And if I'm, if I'm going for, if I know I'm like, ah, maybe I'm only about a half inch high, that might be accessible for what I'm trying to do. Um, you know, if it's something extreme, um, what you can do, I have heard of people doing this, um, You make you zero your rifle to your, like, duty or home defense ammo, and then you make little witness marks. Sure. Okay, on your on windage and elevation, okay? And then uh, you zero the, the rifle to the practice ammo, and then you make different witness marks there. So what you can end up doing is when you want to go to the range, maybe work on some accuracy. You don't want to waste all that um, defensive ammo. You don't use the uh, practice ammo. You just move the clicks to those, and that should get you pretty close. I would say I would try to validate that, though. Yeah. Okay, I would, I would double-check, though, when you're done. Uh, Move it back to the proper uh, witness marks and then kind of
0: revalidate that with some home defense ammo. But that would definitely get you close enough. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Brendan said a similar thing for his pistol, too. But I figured it would also work for the AR. Is there anything important that we've missed?
1: Uh, I don't think so. I I think the big things are, man, really working those fundamentals. Really make sure you can shoot really tiny, repeatable groups. Making sure the optics properly mounted to the rifle. Um, you know something that helps me um i really like red dots i also like LPVOs but um you know 15 years ago i used to be able to sight in a red dot at 100 yards without magnification and honestly if you have access to a magnifier or use a magnifier that can yeah. really help the sight in process um there's a couple of different theories on how to zero the optic with the magnifier uh, one of them is to zero them independently like zero the red dot first at distance and then zero it and then shoot it with the magnifier on, and then see if you have any, um, you know, point of aim shifts. I've never actually seen that. For me, the only shift I see is like when I put the magnifier on, my group tends to get a little smaller and actually better. So I just <laughs> I just zero the optic. Yeah, I don't see the zero shift that a lot of other people see. So I will I will actually just zero the optic with the magnifier on.
0: I wonder if that could have something to do with the fact, too, that you also know how to adjust your magnifier so that your reticle ends up in the center of your field of view in the magnifier. That may it, it could be. have something to do with it. I also agree with you, though, on that. I have not seen zero shift when zeroing with a magnifier and then pulling it away. Um, so
1: the, but, I- the irony is the people that do, the people that, can, that shoot the red dot at 100 yards and see a zero shift like... I don't think you need to use a magnifier at all, man, because you're clearly shooting really good groups <laughs> unmagnified. Yeah. So uh, I know my eyes are kind <clears> of <throat> aging a little bit. I know that magnifier kind of helps me sure. a little bit, and then the whole system is just zeroed uh,
0: together. So awesome, yeah. And there's really not really any difference you, too between red dot and low power variables. zero. There
1: isn't. really isn't. You know, um, look at your manufacturer. You know, I, I prefer like either an MOA or you know a, a, a mill uh, reticle, but like if you have a BDC reticle. Typically, you have to zero it at a distance set by the oh, manufacturer. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good thing. Get in there, read those manuals. Okay, that's that's the superpower of the week. Um, read the manual. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, if you have a BDC reticle, bullet drop compensated reticle, make sure you read that because a lot of those are set for a very specific zero distance. Yeah, so, I know
0: most of ours are set for fifty yards. So if you zero it at yeah. one hundred, the whole BDC is off. Yep.
1: So you got to make sure you understand that.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. And the turrets will probably be at different increments. Red dots tend to have coarser adjustments than do rifle scopes. Rifle scopes are oftentimes, well, they could be half MOA, but oftentimes they'll be, you know, quarter MOA even.
1: Yeah. One thing that I, I kind of see a lot, and, and man, this is regardless of manufacturer, sometimes red dot adjustments, they are a little coarser. Sometimes if you're shooting really tiny groups and you put in some windage there and you notice that the group doesn't shift, you um, That happens, it used to happen with a lot of older uh, red dots that I had. Uh, Sometimes it's okay when you put in a a windage elevation, just give the site a little bit of a a tap. Okay? Mm. Sometimes those uh, adjustments get stuck, and typically what will happen is man, I just can't move this group right. Click. Can't move it. Click, 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 and you have like twenty MOA of adjustment already loaded in there, and it lets go, and then suddenly you're a foot and a half off target. So yeah. if you ever see that, maybe just give, just you know, use a tool, make your adjustments, and give it a slight tap, and then and it kind of just lets go in there. And I've, regardless of manufacturer,
0: uh, most red dots I've seen at one time or another will do that. I've always found you're not going to hurt anything too. I think sometimes people get nervous. It, this is definitely something that comes from the older times with turrets. Turrets used to be delicate things that you hoped you never had to touch, but nowadays they're made to, they're made to be adjusted. When you get the thing right out the box, fresh optic, Turn the elevation and windage all the way to their very extremes and then, you know, turn them back to their centers before you actually go in zero. And if there is any, this is all just, you know, when it gets assembled, there's various different types of lubrication. There may be grease. There may be something like that. As long as you just get everything worked in, um, you know, then you should be all set. And uh, and I find that usually every optic adjusts perfectly fine after doing that. But that's kind of... Know, yeah, tip.
1: I'm usually pretty good at breaking stuff. I've yet to break a turret doing that. So.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah. that is correct. Pete, in case you can't tell, just looking at him, is pretty good at breaking things. Yes. So. Um, one more
1: thing I like to talk about, we see this a lot with students. Um, I like to have my red dots at a high power so I can see them. Okay, So I can be target focused. I can see that reticle. I can see that dot. When it comes time to zero, though, I like to kind of turn them down. In and regards to the illumination. Illumination. Turn that brightness level down, okay? We want a really, really, really fine aiming point. Uh, people tend to find out it's a little easier to shoot a tiny group. Uh, as soon as you're done with that, though, let's crank that illumination back up, okay? Mm-hmm. Adjust that to the environment that you're in, okay? If it's a night, sunny day out, let's crank that illum all the way up, okay? If it's kind of cloudy and overclassed, okay, we don't need it super bright. That's blowing out the whole reticle, Yeah. okay? Uh, so don't forget to adjust that stuff. I yeah. Think, I agree. Yeah, most of the time, zeroing, we want to get that dot really nice and small, okay, so we get that fine aim point.
0: When I I zeroed a a rifle last week, I I had a magnifier behind it, and I found that, you know, the magnifier will magnify the dot, obviously, and the image. Um, But if you have the dot down really dim, it'll actually almost make the dot more visible, With the magnifier behind it. So I had the dot so dim, in fact, just just to do exactly what Pete was referring to, that when I flipped the magnifier away, I thought that somehow, like I was seeing things, like there was no dot at all, because I was like, wait, this optic isn't even on. And then I realized it was because I turned it down so dim to get the point of aim so precise, because otherwise you get all that bloom, and it just, the dot looks gigantic, because it's just, it's all filling the the whole field of view of the optic and yeah, yeah. it's too bright for your eye.
1: So you got to you got
0: to make sure you're adjusting it for the <laughs> the environment that you're in. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, if anyone has any questions about zeroing your carbine, definitely hit us up or even better you can come in and take a carbine class with us. And zeroing is a part of it, and a whole lot of other really awesome stuff is a part of it too. And we've got intro classes where we'll supply guns like the one that Pete is holding, and the ammo and all that stuff. Or we've got our carbine pipeline where you bring your own stuff and we put you through some awesome drills and various things. So, that being said, as Justin (laughs) would say, uh, we'll see you guys on the next one. Thanks. That'll do it for this episode of the Vortex Edge podcast, everybody. Thanks for listening as usual. If you like what you heard, be sure to give us a like, comment, or review, depending on the platform you're listening. Got a topic you want to hear one of our pro firearms instructors give their opinion on? Be sure to drop those suggestions in the comments on the Vortex Edge YouTube or Instagram pages. That helps us cover exactly what you want to hear relating to training, guns, gear and improving yourself as a shooter and responsible gun owner in every aspect and hey we can have a ton of fun along the way that's all the better thanks again everyone see you on the next one